0: いきます Welcome, everybody, to Crimes Against Mentality, a podcast about the myriad ways mental illness has been misunderstood, mistreated, and mishandled. I'm your host, Amanda.
1: And I'm your co-host, Tommy.
0: And today, we're talking about James Gordon Walcott, also known as James St. James. Have you heard about this guy at all?
1: I have not. Not until you said uh, we should look into him. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's kind of a kind of a guy.
0: It's quite the story. It's kind of redemption mm-hmm. kind of not and it's got a little bit of a lot. <laughs> 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 yeah, I think. Yeah. When um when I Go heard ahead. another uh podcast cover him, um I think that's kind of when I first had the idea like Gosh, man, I wish I could talk more about some of this stuff. They did a really great job covering the story and they they were, in fact, uh, rather sympathetic to him, um, which a lot of people are not. And so I I don't, you know, it wasn't one of those situations where I heard that story and I was like, oh, wow, they really flubbed that one. And, you know, now I have to save the day. It was just kind of like, wow, that's really interesting. Yeah. Well, let's learn all about James Gordon Walcott.
1: Yeah, do let's, do let's.
0: (laughs) James Gordon Walcott grew up as the youngest in a family of four. His father, Gordon, a university professor. His mother, Elizabeth, and his sister, also named Elizabeth, who went by Libby. They lived in Georgetown, Texas, a college town of about 5,000 people in a large house near the university where his father worked at. At the age of 15, on August 5th, 1967, at 10 p.m., James took a 22 caliber rifle and murdered his family. The father, Gordon, was found in the living room with two shots to his chest. His mother, Elizabeth, was found in her bed with two shots to the left side of her head. His sister, Libby, was also found in her bed with one shot above her right eye and one shot to the heart. His father and sister were both found dead by the time paramedics arrived, but his mother died shortly after arriving at the hospital. So she had two shots to her head and was still living for a while after that. After mm-hmm. shooting his family, James hid the rifle in the attic crawl space above the closet in his bedroom and ran out of the house toward University Avenue, which is basically right outside his house. <laughs> Three college students traveling from Houston to Eden, you know, Texas towns. Um, I was going to look up how, how far away they were. But the distance? Yeah. yeah. I can do that real quick. Sure. So, three college students traveling from Houston to Eden saw him there at about 1 a.m. James flagged.
1: That's a five-hour, 15-minute drive.
0: Okay. Well.
1: About 319
0: miles. The more you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, James flagged down their car, crying that he needed help because someone had, somebody had just shot and killed his entire family. The college students went Somebody. into the house, yeah, someone, <laughs> and discovered the bodies <laughs> of James's family while James himself waited outside. While, like we said, Gordon and Libby had already passed away, Elizabeth was still breathing. The college students repositioned Elizabeth to make her more comfortable before calling for an ambulance and also the police. They then waited outside with James for them to arrive. Um, the college students were like, This is super weird. And this guy is being super weird. Like his whole family is been murdered inside. So they kind of just like took off because they were super sketched out. and They did not want to stick around. Yeah. yeah. Which I don't blame them. Absolutely. Also, yeah, that's a long drive. I'd want to just get back on the road. <laughs> right. <laughs>
1: yeah. I mean... <laughs> Had nothing to do with the fact that this, uh, you know, this guy just like, hey, hey, my uh, my family's dead. Help. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, we'll call the cops. I for guess? you?
0: Why didn't you do that already? <laughs> well, the, I mm-hmm. I think um, James was like, I don't know if it, the guy is still inside. I'm scared. And they're like, okay, us college students will go in the house for you, but we're a pack. So maybe it'll be safer. I, I It's still kind of odd to me. Why couldn't? Yeah, why not go to a neighbor?
1: <laughs> yeah, so you take it from the the perspective of the college kids. They don't have enough information, and it just is sketchy. So you're just like, I, you know, I'll do, I'll do my civic duty, and then you know, get the hell out of there.
0: Skedaddle. It's also 1967, and people just did not give a fuck <laughs> at that
1: time. Yeah. Well, yeah, and, but like I think also um, it says a lot about how. It's just odd, especially uh, James, how he reacts to the whole thing. Like, it's just off, you know? Yeah,
0: Yeah, definitely very telling from from the very beginning. Yeah. 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 Police arrived (laughs) at 3 a.m. So uh, just to establish a better timeline, he killed everyone at 10 o'clock. Flagged down. the 10 p.m.? 10 p.m., thank you. The, he flagged down the college students at 1 a.m., and now the police are here at 3 a.m. So uh, police arrived and began assessing the crime scene. Meanwhile, a family friend took James to the hospital his mother was transported to, where she was still fighting for her life. Reverend, Reverend, Reverend Chapel, <laughs> another family friend, recollected that James seemed very distraught, and he, the reverend asked for a tranquilizer for James to help calm him down believing him to have been traumatized by the event. So I guess he was, you know, jittery. Can't imagine why. And the student yeah. was like, hey, can we just uh, shoot this guy up? Get him to calm down?
1: Yeah. In the 60s uh, were a wonderful time. <laughs> yeah.
0: Reverend just casually asking for tranquilizers for his buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Upon receiving the news that his mother had died from her wounds, James simply said, thank you. Reverend Chapel." the... The family friend uh, took James back to his family home while the authorities continued to process the crime scene. Uh, Ranger Riddles, one of the guy, one of the cops at the crime scene, and Reverend Chapel began reviewing the evening's events with James, who still maintained that quote someone had shot his family. According to his report, Jan- Ranger Riddles idly chatted with James about his activities with his father. Then, so, like, he was just, like, making casual conversation. Then he Mm -hmm. asked James directly, did you kill your parents' son? With only a brief hesitation and a sigh, James replied, yes, sir. And went on to describe each of the shootings in detail. Like, this guy immediately was just like, yep. Didn't (laughs) even try to really hide it at all.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Which, um,
0: yeah, I mean... I think it. I mean, it proves that he felt guilty immediately, and you'll Absolutely. you'll learn um, in a little bit, like, kind of, yeah. Anyway, yeah, it's in yeah, this the paragraph. Whole story. Yeah. <laughs> 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 so the hearings and trial began a few months later in October 1967. Despite being only oh, 50- sorry,
1: sorry, I understand what I was trying to say before. <laughs> um, <laughs> so. It's a very key thing here, I think, to me, that uh, he was trying to get away with it until questioned directly by someone who had tried to be his friend. You know, like someone oh. who was just trying to chit chat with him. Yeah. And just sort of like had earned his trust. When he had earned his trust, he was asked directly, uh, did you kill him? And he, you know, it was like, yeah. So you say, like with brief hesitation and a sigh. Yeah, it's not so much. Um, it's probably in this case. I want to say it seems more like the hesitation and, and like sigh are him showing regret for trying to hide it in the first place. I would you know yeah, I, mean? I would
0: agree. Yeah, it's it's like this guy just uh, James immediately knew like what I did was wrong, and I wish I had, hadn't done it, but it is what it is, and he had some thought to like hide it but and he was like no uh, this is fucked up and just like yes sir yep. i killed my family yeah yeah and yeah you make yeah, a good so. point about ranger riddles just being like uh being now seen in his eyes as like a friendly person
1: mm-hmm. but, yeah mm-hmm. someone he can trust
0: yeah so yeah, like I said the oh, yeah. hearings and trial began a few months later in October 1967. Despite being only 15, James was tried as an adult due to the nature of the crimes. James's own defense was that he had known for some time he was mentally ill. During pre-trial medical evaluations, he was claimed to he claimed to have considered suicide the previous winter, stating that he was just quote bored, of, bored with it all. According to court transcripts, James began sniffing airplane glue several months prior to the crime, contributing to a condition his doctors diagnosed as paranoid schizophrenia. Mm. So yeah, like um in order to commit the crime, he sniffed a fuck ton of airplane glue. So I think like by the time Ranger Riddles was talking to him, he had like come down off of that high. I, I don't think you it's like a long high, I don't know, but No, no. <laughs>
1: yeah. It's not. Essentially when you're when you're huffing like that it's uh you're replacing a lot of your ox- like the big thing that uh that causes the like high effect is the lack of oxygen like the euphoria. Um yeah. and while the you know other chemicals that uh replace the oxygen certainly have a lasting effect um, that dies down pretty quickly, like huffing like kind of the effects of it go away pretty quickly um when you're no longer huffing so yeah. I mean a couple hours at most, I believe is how long a typical huffing eye lasts, mm-hmm. depending on the uh the level of uh chemicals that you have replaced oxygen with in your body,
0: yeah. So yeah, sniffed a bunch of airplane glue, killed his entire family and then very quickly realized oh this is not. I mean, he he had to really work himself up to do this in the first place. I, like he had really been contemplating it for a long time, but um you know, it it took him a while to come to the decision and he knew he had to be like out of his mind even further than he already was to commit mm-hmm. the crimes.
1: Yeah, yeah. So and I'm sure we'll get into, like, why he said he did it shortly. Yes. But, it, yeah, it is It is very telling that he wanted to do it, but he needed to further alter his mind to actually go through with it.
0: Yeah, because so, he knew it was wrong. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, but, again, like, the the concept here is that he took the measure required to go through with it. Yeah, which you know, I mean, to me, that that is someone who I like is not in the right mind. Um,
0: I think it's interesting coming out of like you know the first guy we talked about, James Craig Kaler, who like also knew exactly what he did but claimed he didn't. I don't know. It's just like they they're not. They're kind of similar cases, but so wildly different too.
1: Yeah, yeah, and actually, yeah. Thank you, because I was trying to figure out a good way to like describe what I was trying to say. Yeah, but yeah, I would say the using uh, Craig Kaler as a direct comparison, I would say he showed more of the you know the narcissistic, the histrionic personality disorders. Yeah. Um, But ultimately, I would say. I don't know if those necessarily constitute insane. Yeah. Um whereas uh what we've discussed so far with uh James Gordon Walcott, uh his actions definitely read as insane. You know?
0: Yeah. Well, and and Craig Kaler... um Although he, yeah, he had mental illness, and like you said, we—I don't think I would call him insane. He definitely had the wherewithal to commit, like the mens rea, which we had talked about, uh, like mm-hmm. the capacity to know exactly what he was—he was, he was doing—and he also didn't have remorse for his actions. Yeah. Whereas yeah. Walcott here, like, very clearly has like very immediate affiliated. remorse. Yeah.
1: As a fun aside, real quick, well, fun yeah. might not be the right word. <laughs> James Gordon Wolcott would uh would qualify as mens rea, like he had intent to kill people.
0: Yeah. Yep.
1: But he's very clearly insane. Yes. Or at least he, uh, you know, operated in an insane state. So, yeah. Just so, if this again. were in
0: Kansas, he uh, would not yeah. have been acquitted. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Well, and he wasn't yep. acquitted. Um, right. But yeah, we'll get to that. We'll get there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So other depositions and reports indicate James said he believed his father, mother, and sister were trying to drive him insane or destroy him. James stated that, among other things, his mother chewed her food so loudly that he would have to leave the room. Uh, So I think now a lot of people know this is called misophonia, uh, where Mm -hmm. you just literally can't fucking stand the sound of people like chewing or like mouth noises and stuff like that. Yeah. I can't say it bothers me that much, but I do know a couple people where it just drives them up the wall. It's totally a thing.
1: I'm married to one.
0: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Which is really
1: bad because I have real bad mouth noises.
0: Yes, you do. (laughs) (laughs) That's how love works. Opposites attract. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and uh, also his sister had a really bad accent and that's how she was trying to drive him insane keep in mind they're in texas so i'm assuming she had a really strong affected texan southern drawl or Mm -hmm. you know he just thought that she did because again you know he's not in his right mind um maybe she talked normally and it just like a small thing exacerbated it and yeah
1: it's kind of yeah uh that's a that's a very interesting point um to bring up especially considering what his diagnosis was uh we we said paranoid schizophrenia we did have we already come to that point yep Yep. okay so uh i've seen it discussed some places where the concept of paranoid schizophrenia is uh basically you know how we all have that inner monologue that that voice in your head that you like you talk to yourself and that's how you like reason through sort of critical thinking problems you know if you're uh, you know, you're trying to figure out something difficult. You've got mm-hmm. that voice. That's your voice, your inner inner voice, you talking in your head. Yeah. Um, a good way to think of paranoid schizophrenia is that inner monologue that, a, uh, you know, a neurotypical individual would experience. Um, for someone with paranoid schizophrenia, it's like that voice is not in their control. It's not their inner monologue, but it's happening in the same place. That a typical person's like inner monologue would be happening in their brain, you know. Yeah,
0: that's a good description. So it,
1: yeah, yeah. So it's like that's where like the the voices, you know, people are like, I'm hearing voices. That's that sort of thing where it's like someone's telling them to do stuff. Um, yeah, it's just it feels like they don't have control over their own inner monologue. Uh and I I just think that's a fun well again maybe not the right word but
0: <laughs> interesting. An
1: interesting uh I don't remember where I heard that description of it but like uh, with that in parallel to his sister having a bad accent I mean maybe he uh maybe he just like had
0: something somebody tripped telling in him in his
1: a, head? Yeah. Well, no something tripped in his head where uh he just forgot what his sister sounded like. You know, yeah. I mean, somewhere deep in his subconscious. Um, but then, you, when he would hear his sister, he thought that she was talking weird when she wasn't. You know, yeah, that sort of thing. I, I just the you know the inner workings of the uh, the you know the brain is uh, just so fascinating to me. Paranoid schizophrenia, especially. I just like the way that uh, a schizophrenic brain works is. Uh, very <laughs> confusing and foreign to me. And so it's very interesting uh, just to hear about it. And obviously, yeah. you know, it's still, it's very sad when things like this happen, but um, and maybe I'm jumping ahead here a little too much, but I do want to just say that uh, schizophrenia, for most people, it's not this bad, especially with proper treatment. Yeah, so. well,
0: definitely at the... Um We'll definitely go over more about a lot about like a schizophrenia in general later on. Um, Yeah. But no, I wouldn't say you're necessarily skipping ahead. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Sorry for the tangent there. I just thought that was kind of interesting with the bad accent.
0: Yeah, definitely. So a classmate indicated in a deposition that his father wouldn't allow him to go to a peace rally, insisted that he cut his hair and wouldn't let him wear his anti-Vietnam buttons. Yeah, this is like 1967 um, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. as a reminder. After a fairly short and relatively unremarkable trial, an all-male jury found James not guilty by reason of insanity. He was sentenced February 2nd, 1968 to Rusk State Hospital in, boy, I didn't look up how to pronounce this, Nakog
1: Nakadoches, yeah. We'll go with that. uh...
0: To uh, Rusk State Hospital in Texas. (laughs) (laughs)
1: There you
0: go. Yeah, for an unspecified length of time until he, quote, became sane. Um, Now I do want to go over how paranoid schizophrenia was classified in 1967 at the time that he Mm was uh, sentenced.
1: Yeah, to be completely honest, I'm... Surprised that they even had it diagnosed or like, uh, yeah, in or, 1967. Yeah, honestly.
0: yeah. Well, if we recall, in um, the lobotomies, um, mm-hmm. people knew about schizophrenia like back in the 40s and yeah, stuff. That's and, true, that's fair. Yeah, he's only about 15 years beyond being, you know, in lobotomy territory for what he was experiencing. Yeah. Uh, The first antipsychotic came out in 1952. Yeah. Dodge that ice pick. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Oof. (laughs) So uh, at the time uh, that James was diagnosed, he, uh, he was categorized as suffering from paranoia, an unrelenting mistrust, and a suspicion of others, and even when there is no reason to be suspicious. Which, yeah, we definitely see that in like... The paranoia of thinking that, you know, your all your entire family is doing this stuff just to drive you insane. Like, that's yeah. definitely a very paranoid thought of like, you know, so, like somebody is walking down the street and they glance in your window because everybody does that. And then, you know, a paranoid uh, thought would be, oh, they're looking in my house to canvas the place, see if I'm home and, and hurt me. Yep. Uh, yeah.
1: So and again, I'm you know, maybe I one day I won't put this disclaimer out there, but not yeah. this early in the podcast. <laughs> everyone might have that little thought when they see something, you know, when they see someone stare in their window, everyone might have that little inkling of a thought like yeah. maybe that person's, you know, trying to watch me. Uh for someone with like paranoid schizophrenia or to the point where it becomes a, a mental disorder. Yeah. It's when that thought is prevailing, intense, and you can't shake it. When you don't and it just disrupts you know, your life. Shake it off and go on with your life.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So like I I've, I've dealt with a lot of paranoid delusions. Um, it's a big characteristic of my diagnosis of bipolar disorder. Um and I've definitely had like a lot of problems with paranoid thoughts and delusions. Like, um, especially around Halloween, I I have a really hard time because you know, people are expected to come up to your house and like knock on the door. And I, I hate that. I hate that so much. <laughs> <laughs> Even when it's children, like there was yeah. one time when uh, we lived back at the compound, the old townhouses where oh, it's just yeah. a very tight knit little community. And you're supposed to put that little tag on your door that says, yes, we have candy. And I definitely did not have that on my door. And it was just starting to get dark and I was doing dishes and i hadn't noticed like how quickly the sun was setting and somebody like two kids came up to the door and were knocking on the door and i freaked the fuck out <laughs> i like i like ducked um behind some like kitchen cabinets because you could see like that big giant window by the front door. All you had to do was like glance over and you could see all the way to the kitchen exactly where I was washing the dishes. So I like quick ducked down and like hit behind and then waited for them to go away and I like army crawled through the living room. <laughs> I was no, like, no. this is fucking ridiculous. And the whole time I'm like, this <laughs> is stupid. They are children, but I yeah, like... just
1: go tell them you don't have candy, you don't have a sign, end of story. I, no, yeah, yeah, but I was
0: like, what if they're here to hurt me? I don't know. And like, yeah, yes i do know like come on but you're yeah. you're not thinking clearly like this is a a, a distorted thought and you just mm-hmm. it's really hard to fight through and without like time and therapy and good coping mechanisms it's really hard and at the age of 15 when this guy is like huffing glue and like there's there's no way that he could like work through these thoughts especially on his own and in 1967 you think people are having good talks about mental health i think not <laughs> yeah,
1: absolutely not yeah 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 and i mean again um he's 15 you know who's to say that these these delusions aren't just starting and mm-hmm. so he's lived most of his life normally so this is gonna feel you know foreign, even more yes, extreme but yeah but yeah but also like uh he's gonna have just a uh, an innate sense of trust for these, for these paranoid delusions because of where they're coming from. They're coming from inside him and he has no reason yet not to trust himself.
0: Right. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. So it's,
0: it's a tough thing to learn to not trust your own brain. And it takes many, many years to yeah. overcome that and then dif- differentiate like these uh, distorted thinkings from clear and, and safe thoughts, I guess.
1: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So there used to be five different, yeah. <laughs> there used to be five different subtypes of schizophrenia uh, catatonic, disorganized, paranoid, residual, and undifferentiated. Or like now we would say like NOS, not otherwise specified. Like they just don't, mm-hmm. you're a fringe case, we'll just throw you over here. But now it's a spectrum diagnosis with comorbidities. So you would just be diagnosed with schizophrenia, but this guy would be like schizophrenic with like a paranoid personality disorder. So that, Paranoid stuff would be, like, tacked on in its own disorder. Yeah. Schizophrenia in general affects about 1 in 300 people. Uh, Googling this, you get a lot of different statistics, but the one I saw the most often was 1 in 300. But if other people are looking this up, uh, sometimes you see, like, 1 in 100. I think a lot of the time schizophrenia goes undiagnosed, so it's really hard to say how many people actually have it. And, like, I just said, it's a spectrum, so... Everybody has a wide variety of symptoms, and you know how extreme they are. Yeah. So, uh, schizophrenia includes positive and negative symptoms. Positive symptoms are added to a personality, and negative symptoms take away. And this is like uh, language that is still used. So, we're past like uh, how schizophrenia was thought of back in 1967. So, mm-hmm. An example of positive uh, symptoms would be delusions, hallucinations, disordered thinking and speech, disorganized behavior, trouble concentrating, and movement disorders. So yeah, these are things that you wouldn't normally do, and now you're doing them. Like Most people don't have delusions, hallucinations. These are extra things. Whereas negative would be... Social withdrawal, extreme apathy, lack of drive or initiative, trouble with speech, and emotional flatness. So taking away emotions, taking away your ability to interact with people and uh, have empathy. And that's, I think, all I have right now for paranoid schizophrenia.
1: Yeah, I'd say that gives a pretty good uh, range or, like, understanding of it.
0: Yeah. So let's get back to our buddy James. Uh, Ultimately, James would spend six years at Rusk State Hospital with a large part of time spent in the home of one of his psychiatrists. The doctor and his wife took him into their family and became surrogate parents to the young man, having full faith that he was no danger to them or their family. After six years, the hospital declared him sane, and after only 10 minutes deliberation following his competency hearing, Williamson County agreed. So state hospital said, hey, he's good to go. The, the county came together, gave a quick, like, you know, 10 minute, hey, this is uh, why we think he's sane. And they said, okay, yep, sounds good. I think this is crazy for Texas in like the 60s and 70s that like one, he was, you know, convicted as not guilty by reason of insanity. I just, you know, really forward-thinking for Texas at that time. Sure. And, and then he was actually like, oh, like, six years is a long time. And, mm-hmm. you know, considering that he was 15 when he was convicted, he's now 21. Um, I mean, you definitely change a lot in that time, and it just kind of goes to show, like, when something is caught soon enough it's a lot easier to treat something too obviously it was not caught soon enough because he still (laughs) murdered his family which definitely was avoidable but still i think this is why i think it's kind of a redemption story because he actually got the help that he needed and Mm -hmm. yeah became a better person for it
1: and this goes back to you know the concept of justice being something where you don't fight fire with fire. There are some people who might hear this story and their gut reaction is, why does this guy get a redemption story? He killed his whole family. None of his right. family gets a redemption. And he, while, I mean, certainly it's true that it's tragic what happened to his family, uh, why should we pile more tragedy on top of that? Yeah. Uh, the The fact that, Uh, James ultimately got the help he needed and turned his life around. I mean, that's a good thing. No matter how you, how you slice it, that's a really good thing.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree. Shortly after his release, James petitioned the court for a name change to James St. James citing it would be in his best interest to distance himself from the Walcott name. The court agreed and allowed the name change. So for several decades, James St. James lived his life free from his grisly past and the accompanying stigma until 2013, when a local Williamson County journalist, so that's where the crime originally occurred, decided to learn where James Walcott had gone. This journalist, Anne-Marie Gardner, tracked him down to Millican University in, ooh, I didn't look up this either. Is it Decatur, Illinois? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, tracked him down to Millican University in Decatur, Illinois, where he was an associate professor of psychology as well as the department chair. So yeah, this dude just like went on to live his life. While he was in the Rusk State Hospital, he had gotten his GED because he was convicted before he graduated uh, high school. He also started um, working towards a college degree. And then after he left, he continued that. He became a psychology professor, moved to Illinois, really set up a life for himself there. I think you have to have some kind of mental illness to really dedicate your life to the study of psychology. <laughs> <laughs> I always think it's every time... A tough one. I, every time I meet like a, a new therapist or psychiatrist or psychologist, I always kind of wonder in the back of my mind, like, what experience with mental illness have you had to uh, dedicate yourself to this role?
1: <laughs> Most of the people uh, or therapists I've talked to have admitted to having some sort of uh, mental disorder. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean that tracks, and certainly it's not you know a hundred percent of people who get into the practice have some sort of mental disorder. Yeah, I like to think of it as one of two experiences: either you got the help you needed and it changed your life, and you want to continue that, or you didn't get the help you needed, and so you want to get into the field to be the person who can give others the help they needed that they never got.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: Yeah, but, you know, again, tangent. Yep.
0: (laughs) After Gardner, the journalist, released her article about St. James, including a personal interview with the 60-year-old professor, some of the public in Illinois was outraged. They could not believe that a, quote, vicious murderer was allowed to teach young men and women and that he was given so much responsibility in regards to the lives of other people, just like by teaching them. And the community yeah. at large wanted him immediately fired from the university, including the mayor of Decatur. However, the university disagreed and instead stood by him, saying that while Woo-hoo! they were... Yeah, seriously. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got we'll so excited there, when I heard about that. I know. Yeah. yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, saying that you know while they were unaware of his past, they know him to be a valued teacher whose students really have sung his praises.
1: Uh, yeah. yeah. Let's let's start right there. Uh a journalist creates some sensation piece. Yep. Uh everyone all of a sudden outrages. Yeah. The one, you know, the one entity in this story who actually knows the guy is like, no. I, I mean, yeah, freaking
0: cancelled culture, <laughs> am I right?
1: <laughs> well, I mean
0: I'm, I'm kind of There joking. are
1: certainly parallels, but yeah, I'm, I'm no. mostly joking. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's just, again, uh, it goes to the heart of what we're doing here. You, yeah. you, don't, you don't want to pass judgments until you know the full story, right?
0: Yeah, just hearing that this paranoid schizophrenic murdered his whole family and got to live his whole life as a professor and without any consequences. When you say it that way, yeah, this guy sounds like a piece yeah. of shit. But once right. you get the full story, yeah, yeah everything There's changes. a lot more going on. Yeah. One of his former students wrote an article in the Daily Beast describing their experience with the professor. So I'm going to read part of what she said. He was an interesting teacher. He pushed students to think for themselves, especially in the honors class I took my senior year. He was smart, engaging, and compassionate when I needed to miss his class in order to come home for an emergency in my future husband's family. Since hearing the news, I've thought long and hard about how I feel about my professor's past and how it should impact his present. Reading the story made me feel ill. My initial thoughts were, someone I know killed his family. He's now a teacher. That's terrible. But those knee-jerk reactions have given way to something more important. A strange kind of hope that the justice system we as a society profess to believe in really works. That a boy Yep. (laughs) That a boy with a mental illness can receive treatment and find a way to not only live a good life, but one that has had profound positive effects on thousands of students. Fucking roasted. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. She summed it up so well. I highly recommend. I think if you Google like James Gordon Walcott, it's like one of the first articles you read, but it's it's on The Daily Beast. It's yeah, by one of his former students. And it's it's short and sweet and Yeah, really sums up my thoughts. Like, knee-jerk reactions. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Not much more needs to be said about it.
0: (laughs) Still going to say more, but yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs)
1: Because apparently we have to.
0: (laughs) But yeah, I mean, that's just, why wouldn't you take the word of someone that was with him for so much of that time where he had like been, I guess, reformed, you know? Like a yeah. student of his in his class for years. Yeah. Saying all this good stuff. I'm definitely going to take her word over the freaking mayor. Just saying, ah, well, he murdered somebody. So mm-hmm. out, out with that guy.
1: Yeah. So, and I guess my question to you now is that what, how can we best serve the story of James Gordon Walcott here on our platform? what do you want to focus on to you know maybe get people to see things differently
0: well i just think that schizophrenia in general is incredibly misunderstood as a mental illness and also since he first got diagnosed to 2013 and even now in 2022 medications and treatments and therapies have come such a ridiculously long way if he was able to be um rehabilitated in those 6 years back in like the 60s and 70s i can only imagine how much he's flourishing today um that like he was able to complete college and rebuild his entire life uh while living with the guilt of like you know this heinous thing that he did mm-hmm. um like it it just like shows that people are so much more than their mental illness, especially schizophrenia. Like, I think when people are diagnosed with that specific mental illness, it's one of the most misunderstood. And I can only imagine the extreme crushing weight of that diagnosis and the stigma that comes with it. Even when I was like, when I realized like, oh, holy shit, I'm bipolar. Like, there's so much stigma around that mental illness. And like, I certainly had my own idea of how people like are portrayed and I, it I'm, I'm kind of starting to ramble but like
1: no no please
0: yeah <laughs> it's just when it's so harmful in so many ways the way that media portrays mental illness like it being bipolar it makes me not it makes it really hard to seek treatment because you really get treated a specific way when i was in the hospital Uh, giving birth to my daughter Sasha they you know they always give you all these intake questions um, you know like oh do you have a history of depression and anxiety and I go yeah um, I'm bipolar (laughs) and they're like what what no, uh No, you aren't. I'm like, yeah, no, I really am. Like, sorry, I don't have a card on me, but... Yeah. <laughs> like, Sorry and I didn't like,
1: come in here screaming, you know?
0: Yeah, but exactly. They're like, oh my I God, know. I've had so many bipolar mothers in here. You don't seem bipolar at all. And they're trying to be kind, but really it's just incredibly hurtful. It's like, wow, yeah. what a bitchy thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, but I mean, I get it. Like, I get it to an extent because... These are nurses that have seen the whole gambit. And when they see bipolar mothers, they're about to give birth, which any neurotypical human in that situation is probably a little high strung and not in the best frame of mind. But when you already have like chemical imbalances that really fuck up your moods, um, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's probably a little bit more extreme. And I got really lucky when I was pregnant. I was the opposite my hormones actually balanced out and I still feel pretty damn good afterwards very rare so I can only imagine but like it just those sorts of reactions even when people are trying to be kind it's like you're you don't realize how harmful you're being and like yeah. just even your average person who hasn't murdered somebody being diagnosed with <laughs> schizophrenia. <laughs> and then you think back to all the times you've heard it referenced in media, and it's just like, oh, well, this guy had schizophrenia and he murdered 300 people. This guy had schizophrenia and he murdered three people. And it's like, mm-hmm. the only situations you see it are in like, oh, this guy was schizophrenic and they thought he was possessed by the devil and he was tortured for six months. You know, like it's it's those situations. It's like, oh, <laughs> there's so much I more. worked
1: with a schizophrenic uh, gentleman who... Uh, I drove to Culver's one day and he ordered an entire pickle and something else weird and that was it. <laughs> that was the only sign of schizophrenia I ever noticed in the guy. Yeah. or uh, And that's, not I mean, I should take that back. That's not a sign of schizophrenia. That's the only weird thing that I ever noticed about this guy.
0: Yeah. Is that he ordered a pickle and I don't know, French fries or something. Who knows? Yeah,
1: yeah it was it was such a bizarre order. I think it it was something like the uh butterburger with like fifteen pickles on it or something. <laughs> yeah, no. it was it was weird. But again, like that's maybe he it. saw otherwise. That- he was just a fun loving guy who just happened to have schizophrenia, and I mean, he told me that flat out and I, I, I unprompted, so maybe yeah. that's weird, but um, that I would have not known otherwise, you know?
0: Yeah, maybe he but saw again, that episode of SpongeBob where that guy didn't get pickles on his burger, and he was like adamant about getting pickles on his. And burger. yeah,
1: he he wanted to live his life in defense or like to make up for that missed pickle.
0: Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: maybe, who knows. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah, so that's a great point everything you said. Uh I'd like to add that yep. I've kind of dealt with a similar thing. Um mm-hmm. I have ADHD, but inattentive type. So, I've, you know, I've never really or been outwardly portrayed as hyperactive. Um But inside I am. And so trying to find, you know, the diagnosis of ADHD and telling people, yeah, I have ADHD. They're like, what? No, you you don't bounce off walls. I'm like, no, but I am literally constantly daydreaming and I cannot control it. So, yeah, yeah, it's just, again, like... They, no one needs to have an encyclopedic understanding of mental illness, but rather than having that little bit of information that you think you have and telling people that they aren't what they tell you they are, just take a step back and sort of evaluate that maybe there is more to life than your own understanding of it uh, before you make rash judgments about other folks and what they're (laughs) dealing with.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, you... you We'll probably have a similar rant many, many times about how like people, you know, try to validate you by saying, no, no, you aren't. When in reality, they're completely invalidating you. <laughs> mm-hmm, it feels mm-hmm. awful.
1: Yeah. Uh, so I wanted to add to sort of the the definition, to, especially to like define sort of James Gordon Walcott and how to best defend him and why it's absolutely insane that anyone would uh, think that he is some vicious killer today. Yeah. When you Google schizophrenia, the first thing it says is a schizophrenia is a serious mental disorder in which people interpret reality abnormally. Yes, Um, it's not really known what causes it. Uh, It typically there uh, some sort of traumatic event will uh, trigger it in an individual, and there are uh, it's very common for it to be triggered in males around the age of 30 and uh, obviously that's like that's that's the most common situation yeah. where schizophrenia happens obviously that's not the only way it can be triggered or the only people it affects yep um uh but um it's treatable it's 100% treatable not for everybody but they they interpret reality abnormally that can be adjusted Yes. The individual in question needs to be willing to put in the work just like anything else in life. You know, think, I mean, ther- think like physical therapy and, you know, mental therapy. Yeah. Uh, if you need to rehabilitate a broken arm, you need to rehabilitate your brain. When you need to, you know, recognize when you're seeing something that isn't actually there or evaluating something in a way that isn't accurate and adjust the way you think and respond to that. If you can do that, then you can become an entirely different person. Now, a schizophrenic can become an entirely different person. So can a normal person, you know? Like, You're it's right. just a different process by which it happens, but it's the same thing that's happening. It's just, you know, thought exercises, if you will. Yeah. So, again, the concept of a schizophrenic Always being a dangerous killer their entire life, even if it it happened once in their life, it's going to happen again. That's absolutely not the case. Can it be the case? Yes. But that doesn't, it's not a guaranteed thing. People can change. Schizophrenics can change. And honestly, schizophrenics probably have a greater capacity for more extreme changes just considering about, you know, where they are at one point versus where they can go from there. Yeah. So, yeah. Do I think that someone who murdered their whole family at the age of 15 can go on to lead a successful life as a professor of psychology in Illinois? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's happened.
0: (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Uh, so let's let's look at a couple different places where um, just the general populace has discussed James Warden Warden <laughs> uh, uh, whoop, James, good old Golcott, Mister James St. James, as he prefers to go by now. Um, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I have linked here a couple <laughs> Reddit articles. <laughs> Oof, yeah, uh, but I mean, this is a pretty good way to see like how people react to him um, in general. Yeah. yeah. So let me find <laughs> the first comment is he changed his name to of all the names in the world. James St. James. Incredible.
1: <laughs> yeah. The club kid. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. That <laughs> yeah, so, was pretty intense.
0: <laughs> yeah. If you Google James St. James, you will not get this guy. So if you want to know more yeah. about James Gordon Walcott, search for his old name before he legally changed it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Let's see. I mean, you can even see some misconceptions even in here. Like somebody just goes, "Paranoid schizophrenia can in fact be cured." Uh, no, I it's don't not think it how can it be cured. No, it's something <laughs> you live with. It's a chronic illness. It just can be treated.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, I think this is an example of the system working. It's not that he got off. He didn't get off. He got treatment. He was rehabilitated, and he went on to become a valuable member of society. Uh, Too too often we write people off for committing crimes. The idea behind the American legal system is to rehabilitate people so they can become productive members of society. As terrible as his crimes were, he did get help and he did become a productive member of society. So yeah, some people agree with us.
1: Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Nice.
0: Yeah. And let's see. But this is not a basic crime. This was the brutal annihilation of his family. I don't know of any cases where someone killed their family and went on to be a pillar of the community. If it exists, feel free to list case where this happened. Oh, this one. This one. Yeah. This is yeah. what happened. Also,
1: uh, Joe Kennedy. I mean, that's a name that could be thrown in there. And if you squint, that could technically count. <laughs> yeah. Uh.
0: Oh, this one comic goes, quote, for committing quiet crimes, quote, as terrible as crimes were, quote, huh, this individual brutally murdered his family, not thievery of chocolates. What about justice for the victims? I think a lot of people get caught up on that, too. And, you know, I, I do see where they're coming from. It's like, well, what about the victims? Did, like, they don't get the justice that they deserve? Like, I'm pretty sure his family would be glad that he got the treatment that he needed and went on yeah.
1: to live a life. Yeah, that's, I mean. Yeah, okay. That's that's a whole other discussion that I won't get into. But ultimately, I would say specifically in this case, justice for the victim is your, It's a bad defense or it's a bad argument yeah. um, because it's his family. You know, your family, especially if he's the last little bit of their family left, they wouldn't want him to spend his life in prison. They just wouldn't. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, yes, you could argue that you don't know that for sure and they're not here to defend themselves or to tell mm-hmm. us what they feel. Yeah, we but get it. But if you're going
1: to make that argument, then you can't not know that for sure either. Yes, so <laughs> it's almost like it doesn't even matter. Yeah. And as, as as sort of heartless as it might sound, ultimately, it doesn't matter. The I mean, the justice system is there to evaluate a crime and punish it accordingly. Or, like, yeah. react to it accordingly, if you will. Yeah. Um, you know, certainly victim circumstances are taken into account when that happens, but they are fundamentally don't always affect the outcome of a trial, you know? Yeah. So, yep. again, yeah, justice for the victim is absurd, especially in this case.
0: Definitely agree. Um, so, moving out of Reddit, this is, um, one of the articles that I read had, like, a comment section at the bottom, and this guy's, like, forum name is, you got to be kidding me, and they say, (laughs) I don't know their gender, I shouldn't gender them, but they say, wait, so you're telling me a man who was, quote, deemed insane, murdered his family, got sent to the loony bin for years, after he smiled and said he was pleased with the verdict, now teaches psychology?
1: no one knows he smiled. Yeah, that's not on. That's not on uh, record.
0: Yeah, I didn't see that anywhere personally. How stupid <laughs> could you be to hire a mentally ill, no remorse psychopath to teach in your university? There was plenty of remorse. Yep. Sorry. What the actual fuck? Oh, sorry. He did. Wt actual f. Sorry. Shouldn't swear for this person. So what mm. happens when he gets mad again at the way a student chews or someone's accent? Mental illness doesn't just, quote, go away, morons. I hate this guy. I hate this guy so much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just, uh. I, uh. <sighs> and I, I yeah, know we've said exactly. all this stuff already, but like, my God. Also, this guy's just being an asshole, like using the words like loony bin. And shit, it's just like, okay. Uh, psychopath, yeah. he's not a psychopath. He's got paranoid schizophrenia. Those are different. Um, mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, yeah. So, like, what happens when he gets mad again at the way a student chooses someone's accent? He's, he's been uh, treated. He spent
1: <laughs> six years figuring out what happens.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah.
1: <laughs> oh, my God.
0: Yeah. And I think it's very telling that this guy, like, as far as I know, had, like, Zero issues with the law ever again. Mm -hmm. uh, He's not just going to randomly snap one day. That's not how it works. This guy had a budding mental illness, had no idea what was going on in his own head. It came to a crossroads. It ended tragically, but he got the help he needed. Did his time... The way our justice system works and went on to be a productive member of society. Yeah. And then he still gets called a mentally ill, no more a psychopath. And it's just, yeah, I feel for him.
1: That's why we're doing this podcast. I mean, yes. it's it just this this lack of understanding about the brain, essentially. Yep. It's hard for me to keep saying mental illness because in some cases, it's hard to think of it as a mental illness. I, it's just a, a brain that behaves differently than the norm, you know.
0: Yeah, it's like there's the stigma with mental illness, like it's somehow within someone's control, versus like a physical illness, wherein in some mm-hmm. cases, like mental illness is more of a physical illness because it's a like, like a yeah, a chemical imbalance. It's with, outside of somebody's control. If someone had a brain tumor that was making them violent, that doesn't necessarily mean they have a mental illness. So, like in some ways, I, mean, I would argue the same. My- yeah. Yeah, I think in in general layman's terms, though, I think most people would no, not say yeah. that. But yeah. that's exactly it, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like why? And mental illness can be temporary. Schizophrenia is not, but depression is, is can be temporary. Like there's depression, and there's chronic depression. You know, chronic depression mm-hmm. lasts longer than a year. I think last time I checked, that's how it's classified. Yeah. But there's plenty of people, I think the majority, if not like 99% of people will experience some depression in their lifetime. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. So, uh, and, uh, yeah, go ahead. So, so, yeah. So many things wrong with the guy. The, the the you got to be kidding me individual. Yeah. And what I they said. But the response, I actually kind of have a little bit of a uh, like... Uh, Bone to pick with them as well.
0: Yes. Which one? No kidding? Uh, No kidding. Yeah. (laughs) What does he say? You go ahead and say it.
1: Okay. So, mentally ill people shouldn't be allowed to teach. Would you say the same thing with physically ill people? Mental illness is not a stigma. Besides, we don't know the details of his crime, the motives, the reason he was found guilty, not guilty, etc. Again, like, it's just okay so the way that they approach the response is and okay it's reddit they're arguing for argument's sake they're not trying to change the world (laughs) i get it yeah but there's no specificity to what he's saying and clearly um they didn't know too much about what was happening uh they say as much besides we don't know the details of his crime the motives the reason he was found not guilty etc um It's just, I don't know, would you say the same with physically ill people? Mental illness is not a stigma. Correct, but it is a stigma, and so it has to be addressed as such. Yeah. You can't just say something isn't what it is. You have to affect the change of turning it from what it is into something that it should be instead. Yeah. Uh, so, again, like, the the problem with this defense is that it is uh, intentionally adding fuel to the fire rather than being a true defense of uh, the way that mental illness should be defended, I guess. Yeah. They don't do anything to, like, really not, educate the person.
0: Right, and they're not really trying to defend... James himself they're more so just kind of like deflecting more than anything which yeah it's not really helping Mm
1: -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah yeah because again so mentally ill people shouldn't be allowed to teach I mean certainly there are some mental illnesses where there might be a problem with them educating folks yeah Uh, again the never say never certainly some things can be overcome but they're you know it's it's just too general it's yeah. just you know way too general
0: and i think maybe he was trying to be like yeah well the, you know you got to be kidding me was maybe being a little too general but i mean yeah i don't know i think no kidding was just like writing a like a quick fire response like right dumb. exactly okay. yeah
1: that i mean yeah. yeah disclaimer it's reddit but like yeah
0: this wasn't Again. Reddit, it's worse. It's a random article with comments at the bottom. So
1: it's Oof, like the okay. most untrustworthy yeah. okay. shit. Yep, yep. <laughs> I'm just saying, if you're going to defend something, do it by not attacking the other person and yeah. like really actually trying to educate them. Especially if you've got the amount of room of a Twitter post.
0: Yeah, exactly. So some other people in that same space said, "Like, is this is the person that wrote this article screwed in the head? This person did not serve any, did not deserve any of privileges he was given. Okay, they wrote it bad. I'm not just reading like a dumb yep. person. Yep, the, yeah, it's a testament to how swayable people are in not being able to own up to the sins a person commits. Which, yeah, I hate this too. And he did get downvoted. They did get downvoted like five times. So yeah." Yeah, definitely people don't agree with this take.
1: (laughs) No, absolutely not. It's a testament to how swayable people are in not being able to own up to the sins a person commits.
0: Yeah. uh, He... For one, um, yeah, the whole idea of like sins and, you know, purity in general society, I think we really should move away from because society is not black and white and the idea of like sinning and not sinning is very black and white so i already hate That's that true. yeah um didn't deserve any of the privileges he was given what privileges was this man given Again, yeah. he, he spent six years in a state hospital. Uh, that's not a fun time. That's not, <laughs> you know, even uh, in regular hospital, people aren't exactly having a good time. Those beds yeah. aren't comfortable, can confirm. <laughs> so, <laughs> they, they suck. I've never spent time in a mental facility, but I don't have to have spent time there to know that they fucking suck. Yeah, uh, i sometimes
1: visited someone who was in one and, yeah. uh, you, you know, just hearing the description and seeing the room that they stayed in yeah it's not a great time it just isn't and And of course you know they do their best don't get me wrong especially these days but like yeah just you know it's not not somewhere you want to find yourself (laughs) no
0: and he wasn't just in a mental hospital he was in like a state facility for the criminally insane so (laughs) double not fun like yeah absolutely not There are people who try to claim an insanity defense and then they're like halfway through the trial and then finally their attorney sits them down and they're like, listen, so we might actually win with this defense. I got to let you know now, Um, this is what it's going to be like. And they're like, ooh, can I take a plea deal and just go to regular jail? That sounds awful. Yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Here's the thing. This And this is what I don't understand about people like who are against the insanity plea. It's not a get out of jail free card. It's just not. not. (laughs) No criminal mental hospitals or uh, mental institutions for the criminally insane are not a good time. No. You're surrounded by people who committed crimes, but also their brains don't function in the normal way. I mean, that's just, that's, that's, it's, you never know what you're going to run into with that. And, uh, you know, that might sound hypocritical considering our podcast, but I mean, uh, fundamentally, that's the truth of it. And we're here to try and help understand things, but that doesn't, you know, just, you know, take away from the idea that this is mental illness we're dealing with.
0: Yeah. So so, so frustrating sometimes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, go ahead.
1: Oh no! I was just going to say, like uh, the problem with how mental illness is uh, discussed these days is sort of where I I have umbrage here. um, With this story in particular, Uh, yeah, it was some person, uh, the journalist, trying to you know dredge up some you know. Oh, I wonder what happened to this person. Oh, they're over here, you know, being a Professor for like, God knows how long, an incredibly long time. And yeah. within the span of, uh, you know, the time it took to write the article, they're all of a sudden being attacked by their entire community, except for the university. Like, yep. It's <sighs> okay. <sighs> I, I just I, there's so much there. Like, I, I, <laughs> wish I will the journalist say, had been a little bit more careful. I don't want to say that, you know, the journalist shouldn't have published the article, but they should have been a little more careful about how they presented this individual. I mean, I, they just ruined a life almost. You yeah,
0: know. right. I, I did read their article and it did seem like pretty fair uh, in in both regards of like not forgetting what this guy did, but also not demonizing the person as well. Mm-hmm. But still, I also did have some qualms with like covering the story in the first place because yeah. do you let this guy live on in an- anonymity? But considering where we're coming from in trying to defend this person's life, um I did want to cover it. So I do understand the irony of like not attacking, but kind of attacking a journalist for talking about this guy and then talking about this guy.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I get you that. Uh, yeah. So okay, I I think that I mean quite frankly, if it weren't for the you know article in question, we would have no idea who this guy is. You yes, know? this wouldn't yep. be a story we're addressing. Uh, yeah. So the can of worms is open. Yep. Um, I I mean I just I I think. And did we see, did the journalists get permission to say who James St. James is today, where he's living, what he's doing, or did Um, they just do that?
0: They may have just done it. They did have an interview with James St. James, um, but I don't think they need his permission. I mean, free speech, they can talk about this guy regardless, as far as I know. And it's not like, Uh, they're obviously not making anything up, and...
1: I'm just trying to figure out uh, uh, passing my own judgment on this individual on (laughs) how much, you know, how much they cared for the person whose life they're writing a story on.
0: Yeah. And they did write some other pieces, it looked like, um, for the newspaper that they wrote for, like specifically on his sister Libby that he had murdered um, and saying like, look at the life she could have led. She was valedictorian of her school and, you know, (sighs) what a shame to lose her. So, yeah, I mean, to say that they weren't biased would be wrong. But when they were writing the article, or, like, in the article, they said some things like, um, I was sitting down with this totally normal guy. He just, like, you know, had his long hair pulled back, and, you know, he had his beat-up old pickup truck, and he just liked watching TV. And No, he didn't like watching TV. He only had one to keep up with the news. Like, did... paint him as like a regular person but also but there were like multiple like... times in the article yeah where she was like i had to remind him myself that he was a like a murderer and he did these horrible crimes so she is also reminding the the article reader this guy sucks exactly i words. mean that's yeah that's, that's
1: uh you know just spewing paranoia I mean, yeah. the story and the article is just showing you that anyone you know could be an evil murderer, right? I, that's that's just the vibe that it sends out, and that's just not okay. Like, it's and they went not, to the
0: trouble of interviewing James St. James, but not his fellow professors, not his students, not anybody else around him—only mm-hmm. him—and like the pieces of the story that she had back in Texas. So it's a, yeah. I mean,
1: it's a shock piece, if anything, you
0: know. Yes, it's like yeah. this
1: is gonna this is gonna garner a lot of attention. So it's a good way and to it get my certainly name out did. there.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: I'm not attacking journalism. I want that to be clear. I understand <laughs> free speech and stories need to be told, uh, but there are again individuals who uh, you, you know perform their practice poorly. I would say, yeah, and uh, this just feels like that. You know, um, we wouldn't have to be coming to the defense of Mr. James St James if uh even if that article is written and we uh the the only reference to James Gordon Walcott is his past and the fact that he now lives under a different name as a a university professor, you know
0: that's enough for the yeah. public to. Locate him. Yeah, for sure. Do you
1: think so? Do you? Th- that's uh, enough for the public to figure out that uh, the, the, not even knowing what state he's in,
0: per se? Yeah. Yeah, I do. I mean, look at the weird shit that Reddit has discovered or like 4chan or other weird sites. You yeah, know?
1: but... I mean, certainly that's true, but when you make people dig for that, the stories don't necessarily get as big as they could.
0: That's true. If if some rando on 4chan is like, oh, yeah, that professor, yeah, he's James St. James at, in Decatur, Illinois. Yeah, you're right. It wouldn't uh, gain the traction. And yeah, he probably could continue to live his life in relative anonymity rather than, yeah, somebody naming him directly, telling us exactly the town that he lives in and, you know, the the university that he works with. I see your point now, and yes, I agree.
1: Yeah. That, yeah. It's not the fact that, yeah, whether or not he ever gets outed, certainly people can slew things out like that. This reporter did. But the fact of the matter was that the piece was written with the intention to get notoriety. Mm Mm-hmm. So... It's and how better to do that than, ooh, this former killer is now teaching your kids. I mean, right? Come on. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, Long story yeah. short,
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> schizophrenia is just a name for a sort of blanket disease of the brain where. An uh, individual experiences distorted reality. Yeah. It is a lifelong problem, but there are plenty of effective treatments ranging from uh therapy to medication and a whole bunch of other things in between. Yeah. With uh, that all being said, it just doesn't seem that crazy to believe that someone who once murdered their whole family could become an incredibly, totally, extremely changed person.
0: Yeah. Definitely. And I hope that people continue to um, believe that, uh, not continue to believe, I hope that people can see that James St. James is not the same person that James Gordon Walcott was. And I think I'm happy that he got to have like a new name and perhaps leave James Gordon Walcott behind him and make a new life. And it's unfortunate that he got tied back to that person again. But it seems that he he still has his even today in twenty twenty two he is still working at that uh university. So he's still employed, which is awesome and I'm very happy for him.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's great. I love to hear that.
0: If you want to hear more about schizophrenia from some people that actually have schizophrenia, uh, there is a TED Talk on YouTube from this woman named Cecilia McDowell is one of them. Um, I'll have it linked in like the show notes on our website, crimesagainstmentality.com. She does this really interesting short talk on her experience with like her burgeoning schizophrenia. Um as a college student and like how she she talks a little bit about her hallucinations that she experiences and how she deals with them um and it's i think it's really uh a good look into what schizophrenia looks like when it's being managed and you know someone who's healthy still and but you can definitely still see that they struggle but they're working through it, and at the time of this TED Talk, they were still very young, and they were still, I think, fairly new to the diagnosis, and um, still working through quite a bit of trauma. But it's still very interesting. And if you yeah. if you're watching that YouTube video, there's a lot of other suggested ones with other people with schizophrenia. They're really interesting,
1: and I recommend uh, you do take the time to watch these and like learn about this because, again, schizophrenia I, it just the the disease in general is uh, vastly misportrayed and how people actually experience it and what it actually entails is, is actually really fascinating. I mean, uh, it can range from tragic for the people experiencing it to just, I don't know, just kind of a little quirky. <laughs> you know, there are some yeah. people who seem to kind of really enjoy it. I've, I've seen some stories that are just like, yeah, you know, sometimes I think frogs talk to me.
0: Uh, yeah, <laughs> I there's think some people I who have the
1: ribbits, you know?
0: Yeah. There's some people who have like um, positive voices in their head. They've kind of yeah. just like pepped them up all day, which, God, wish I would have had those hallucinations when I had <laughs> auditory hallucinations. But <laughs> yeah. yeah, they'll be like, oh, yeah, you did really great on that test. Wow, good mm-hmm. for you. And it's like, geez, wouldn't that be nice? Yeah, like, yeah what I a- mean, just um, you never,
1: you always hear about the the ones with the voices telling you to kill your mother. They never. You never hear about the people who have the voices in their head tell, reminding them to call their mothers every now and then, you know? <laughs> yeah. But those people are out there. That is a thing yeah. that happens with schizophrenia, you know? Again, it's just, it. It's a, there's a lot more going on with it than really anyone gives it credit for, so.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and people really, I think, need to educate themselves on schizophrenia in general, and um, sadly, 10% of people who are diagnosed with schizophrenia end up committing suicide. Due to like just the severity of the disease, uh, lack yeah. of treatment, lack of understanding on the disease. Yeah. and
1: I mean, yeah, that. just imagine all of a sudden you have this distorted image of reality and you have no idea why. And uh, you, you're you aware of it, but you don't know how to address it, you know. Uh, and you're and,
0: afraid to talk about it with the people that you love because, mm-hmm. you know, they're just going to call you crazy. and
1: Yeah, well, I mean, know you how feel crazy.
0: Yeah, well, yeah. Trying to
1: describe that to someone and you don't know what's going on, you're going to feel crazy. I mean, even if you do know what's going on, sometimes you'll feel crazy. And that's yeah. enough to keep some people from seeking the help that they need. But uh, I mean, that's that's exactly why you, you know we want to make them feel less crazy and more understood and create a wider blanket of understanding for individuals experiencing this stuff. So that when it happens, yeah. if it happens to someone, they don't feel like being crazy is a death sentence you know
0: yeah or necessarily even a bad thing yeah Yeah, you know exactly yeah you kind of touch on this but it often presents in young adulthood teens to early 20s um Mm -hmm. yeah but yeah the most most common being to 30 yeah i think most common being the later years but as we saw with our buddy here walcott um it was when he was fifteen, but he had already been experiencing, he said himself, uh, symptoms like a year prior at fourteen. Yeah, so definitely early onset, <laughs> which probably made it a lot harder because you're already going through a lot of changes.
1: Yeah. yeah, and I mean, who knows? Maybe it was like the hormonal puberty shift that triggered it in him, right?
0: Yeah, most definitely. I could, yeah, uh, most quote violence. Uh, perpetrated by schizophrenics is done while in a psycho- psychosis, a state in which someone loses their sense of reality. And psychosis is not unique to schizophrenia. Absolutely. Uh, no, it's fairly common amongst a lot of uh, mental illnesses. I mean, psychosis can happen in someone who's not mentally ill. Uh, it's Yeah, like I said, it's just a state in which someone loses their sense of reality. So even drug addicts can put themselves in a state of psychosis. Um mm-hmm. Not to say that drug addicts don't have a type of mental illness themselves, (laughs) but let's see. Uh, Articles and current affairs programs that focus on violence and schizophrenia whilst ignoring all of the other features of this complex condition, particularly the high suicide rate and telling us very little about the illness in general, are sadly all too common. Okay, so this is an article from the UK. That's why it kind of is reading funny to me because articles and current affairs programs basically the media focuses on violence and schizophrenia whilst ignoring all of the other features of this complex condition particularly the high suicide rate and telling us very little about the illness in general are sadly all too common a study carried out in 1994 of the british news media found that stories about violence by people with schizophrenia outweighed the sympathetic stories about the condition by about four to one Again, just like, yeah, illustrating how misportrayed schizophrenia is. And, you know, so few people with schizophrenia are violent, and yet still news stories are about violence four to one. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: and, and I mean, if you, if you want a, a better definition or example of why we're doing this podcast, uh, look no further. I mean, yeah. it's right there. Exactly. So, yeah, so few people. I mean, it's just violence is not an inherent thing in schizophrenia. It's just not. But when you think about paranoid schizophrenic, you think, you know, if you hear someone has that disorder, you think they're going to murder you. You
0: just do. Yeah. Yeah. Or you think they're dangerous in some capacity or they have oh, yeah, a capacity yeah. for yeah. danger. Yeah. More so than other people. hmm Yeah
1: and i mean and, all, so going back to that coworker like i'll admit right. like there was a little piece of me that was on edge and i mean being the person that i am i did my best to fight that feeling and i certainly mm-hmm. didn't portray or like show him that i was feeling that because i knew that's just wrong but uh but it's hard it's hard to get past that feeling of like oh you're schizophrenic are you going to snap and start shouting at me or hitting me like You know, I I, obviously this guy had done nothing to even suggest that that would be the case. And I had no reason to believe that he would. But there was that tiny little inkling in the back of my head that was like, he could. He certainly could. And so, I mean, I genuinely wish I didn't have that. And, you know, portrayed in myself and carried out my, you know, working relationship with the gentleman like I didn't. And, uh... I mean eventually it went away but it's it's just tough you know it's tough that this is what we have to fight against is this concept of mental illness being just this this huge red flag like oh you know that's a that's a scary person you're
0: dealing with yeah and i Meet think them. we're definitely yeah (laughs) we're definitely getting better but we still have a long way to go as with many different things in society like i definitely think especially since um good old covid hit and people have had to confront their selves um a lot more than they thought they would have had to being stuck at home and stuck with yourself yeah people are understanding now that like oh yeah yeah I understand depression now because COVID gave it to me by proxy of life, just kind of sucks more than it used to. But, Mm -hmm. and you know, like you hear a lot more about people going to therapy and seeking out help, but that doesn't really. There hasn't been a lot of movement when it comes to like the more severe mental illnesses or the ones that are more heavily stigmatized because like I said, like schizophrenia is a spectrum diagnosis. So it could even be like a non-severe form of schizophrenia where, yeah, yeah, maybe your only symptom is that you have a guy in your head that peps you up while you're walking down the street like, Mm -hmm. damn girl, Mm -hmm. that stride's looking good. And that's like your only symptom, but that's enough.
1: Or blue flowers just drive you crazy. And like, You're uh, right. and not even in like uh, this annoys me. It's just like,
0: man, blue
1: flowers. Can you believe You're, me? blue flowers? Yeah, you know, it's it just <laughs> like there are so many just things like that. With that I mean, that would fall under the purview of schizophrenia. Yeah. So yeah, and exactly what you were saying, where it's like we are getting there, uh, yeah. and while we're getting there. Uh, you and I are going to come in here and make sure that those uh, those little gaps that might have otherwise been missed get filled in.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Good Do you job. have any final thoughts on our buddy James St. James?
1: Um, I would love to take one of his courses. Um, it oh, sounds... Yes. It, I mean, again... Uh, I've, I've, most of the people I've talked to in the, in the, uh, mental illness medical field, uh, have had some sort of a, uh, this mental disorder or some brush with it in their own lives. And they've all been just very wonderful at their jobs. And so if ever given the opportunity to learn from James Uh-oh. Gordon Walcott, I would absolutely take it.
0: Um, are you back?
1: I am, and I <laughs> recorded everything I said. I'm sure you didn't hear it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Not Long story much. short,
1: uh, I I would be fascinated and wholly open to learning from James Gordon Walcott or James St. James, I should say, yeah. Professor St. James, if you will.
0: Yes, definitely agree with that. Yeah. I think people who have had a brush with mental illness themselves become the best people to coach other people on mental illness as well.
1: Yeah. Or just psychology. I mean, you spend yeah. a lot of you spend a lot of time learning how the brain works, even just as a layman. Like I feel like I'm much more well versed in the brain. Uh after learning that I have ADHD and how that presents in me and just sort of, you know, applying that to my life. I'm like, oh, that's fascinating. I didn't realize, you know. Yeah. So, but, and yeah, I mean, this guy, uh, schizophrenia, and he goes on to, you know, be a college professor. I mean, that, that, I mean, that's an inspiring story in and of its own right. I I would love to meet the guy and learn about him and hear what he has to say and take some of his courses. Like, more power to him.
0: Absolutely. I think, um, as sort of like a final thought from my side um yeah not even related to james st james but if somebody in your life comes up to you and they start opening up about their mental illness i think a lot of us especially in good old midwestern parts of the country where we just kind of like brush everything off or it like that's negative and be like oh ho ho let's not talk about that um don't don't push them off Give your friend, your family member, the random person at the bus stop, give them room to just vent and talk about it. Keep Try to keep your judgment to minimum. Mm-hmm. But I think also, it it's not a bad thing to ask questions. Um, yeah, absolutely not. Yeah, especially also, asking personal questions about like how they're experiencing it. Because I think it's very validating when you're allowed to tell your story and then somebody isn't just telling you well you know it'll be okay you'll feel better eventually just you'll, you'll get through it champ like that's probably not the best way to approach it just be a listening ear and be like i'm sorry that's happening but not a but but like i'm sorry that's happening to you um is there any way i can help you out in the future don't don't mm-hmm. brush off your friend don't shut down the conversation don't try to move on or yeah what are you gonna say
1: I mean, also be a little honest about it. Why, like, with yourself. Um, If you feel like you want to brush off the conversation, uh, why, like, examine that. And maybe even bring that up to them and be like, listen, I feel very uncomfortable talking to you about this. I want to, and I want to understand that. I mean, be honest and open about that. They are coming to you to confide.
0: So
1: you should do the right thing and let them talk. But you should also be honest with them about how you feel about it. And maybe, you know, you can come to some sort of understanding about why you feel uncomfortable with it.
0: Yeah, I mean, let uh, them, let, go ahead, sorry.
1: No, I mean, go for it.
0: Okay. I mean, let them say their piece and don't try to steer the conversation about yourself and your own prejudices or whatever. Like um keep keep the conversation focused on your your friend or whomever's opening up to you because they obviously need to talk about it, but mm-hmm. yeah. Definitely you can make it um the conversation about like learning, you know, yeah, yeah. self-evaluation. Why do yeah. I want to move on from this conversation and and mm-hmm. make it a chance for you to learn something too.
1: And Bear in mind that, like even though schizophrenia you know when it triggers it can feel like the person you're talking to is not the same person they were beforehand uh they are though yeah it's just they're seeing something in a different light, something different is happening in their lives, and it's prevalent and it's big, but they're still the same person underneath all that uh don't Don't ever forget that. <laughs>
0: That's really yeah, important,
1: especially when definitely. it comes to schizophrenia,
0: yeah,
1: um and yeah, yeah, obviously, don't you know steer a conversation to yourself, but you know as a as a back and forth um, you know if someone opens up to you about that, you want to give them their their time and really you know let them talk about it. But you know you should also be honest with them and yourself about how you feel about it. And, you know, what it takes to confront where you're coming from. Because in doing so, you know, you're you're validating the fact that they're still a human being, even with what they're experiencing. It's, you know, it's affecting other people as well. And those people are, you know, dealing with it in their own way. Um, yeah. And, and it's just like, I, to me, that's such an important thing about like how this thing that an individual is experiencing that's so unique to them doesn't tear them out of the human race you know what i mean like they're yeah. still a part of the whole and that's that's just what it's all about is like just making sure that the individual it feels like even though this major changes happened in their lives that that you know they're still they're still a part of the community that they've always been yeah. a part of
0: they're still human they're still themselves yeah mm-hmm. Yeah, and getting treatment is not about going back to what they were quote before no. the mental illness, you know, it's, it's learning not. to live with your with your new reality, which takes a long time to come to grips with. I mean, it's it's tough as the person like Having to do that, it's it's definitely very hard. But it's
1: absolutely
0: definitely not helpful when you have people around you going, "Well, don't worry, you'll, everything will go back to normal eventually." Yep. I think we've all heard that enough during COVID. I think we all understand <laughs> how that feels. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I like this. I like this comparison uh, to COVID with like how to deal with mental illness.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's ebbs and flows,
1: mm-hmm, ups and <laughs> downs.
0: Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes you
1: think uh sometimes you think a treatment that's going to work ends up not happening or or you know it starts to show up. It's not effective as you it. thought it was
0: gonna be. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> you know, you gotta keep trying things out until something sticks. <laughs> Treatment's a bitch. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but it helps. Um it does. yeah. Is so I think we've said our closing bits. Yeah. Um What have you been doing outside of the podcast recently?
0: Oh, well, when we started this podcast, I literally had just gotten laid off from my job um, the very day that we recorded our first episode. So it's been a pretty wild ride for me because then by the next week, I had got a new job and I've been at this new job for a week and a half and it's fun, but it's a doozy and my brain hurts (laughs) a lot. (laughs) Otherwise, it uh, yeah,
1: like, uh I, you know it sounds like uh the people who work in there think you're gonna be a good fit and uh, are impressed by your work, so good for you, yeah,
0: that's what I've been hearing, and it's really nice to hear you know I think a lot of people deal with uh, some sort of like imposter syndrome, feeling like you are um you know kind of fake it till you make it, but you don't feel like you're faking it good enough, <laughs> so yeah, it but sounds it, like you are
1: so good job. yeah,
0: yeah,, I guess so. <laughs> Yeah, I'm kind of bummed because like, well, I mean, I'm I'm getting trained in a lot, so I can't binge like audiobooks at work like I used to because I have mm-hmm. to like, you know, hear what's going on around me or hear somebody yeah. talk to me and oh, I, don't I, worry, I, that
1: day will come again.
0: Yeah, it will. <laughs> I'll be able to binge 200 episodes of a podcast in six, you know, months <laughs> or something. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I've been through multiple podcasts at this point and Yeah.
0: Multiple yeah, but times. You, uh what you been up to? <laughs> uh well I've
1: spent the last week at home uh get, with COVID so that's been great. Um I you know it's the first confirmed case that I've had of COVID-19 and uh it's been a doozy. Um yeah. I didn't, I've, I've never felt like I'm on death's door but uh damn close. <laughs> it's just <laughs> yeah. uh one of the basically one of the worst flu's I've ever had is what, what it feels like um yeah. but i'm on the upswing i hope uh you know i haven't i had a fever this morning but it's Ooh. uh i feel like most of my symptoms are going away so yeah that's what i've been up to oh and <laughs> yeah. destiny 2 uh the, the video game and it just oh the yes. expansion came out and uh <laughs> i've been up to that gonna say the one benefit to covid
0: yeah <laughs> bad, bad. <laughs> you gotta look for the games. silver lining somewhere <laughs> well thanks everybody for listening again this is crimes against mentality uh you can find us at our website crimes you can also find us on instagram at crimes against mental pod uh twitter don't remember the handle of because twitter sucks <laughs> 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 and, and uh, we're also on facebook as well. Um, you you're always welcome to shoot us an email uh, you can find our email on our website uh, please go over to Apple Podcasts and Spotify, leave us a rating and a review honest feedback is the best feedback, it helps us grow but please be gentle and that's all I've got
1: yeah uh, I've got nothing more to add uh, stay frosty out there folks um, Yeah. and uh, be kind you never know what other people are going through
0: Yeah. Have a good night.